Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. And now, the group you've all been waiting for, the Lovers of Five. I'm David, and I'd like to tell you about my favorite number, which is the number five. And the number five is my favorite number because it has one straight line here, and then it has a round line on the bottom here, and then it has another line on the top. I love singing about the number five. Give me five. Ah, give me five. Give me five. Give me one, two, three, four. Give me five. Give me one, two, three, four, but if you love me more, give me five. That's right. Give me five. Hello, everyone. This is Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of the Five by Five here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. And this week, I am thrilled to welcome in a, a, an occasional co-host of ChairShot Radio Hockey Talk. Uh, needs to be a more frequent co-host of ChairShot Radio Hockey Talk. He knows more in his right pinky than I know when it comes to hockey and is always a, a great resource. But also... If the pre-conversation we had before recording this podcast started, needs to get on bandwagon nerds at some point, too, because this guy knows his stuff. That's right. I'm talking about Dr. S'mores himself, Kyle Moores. Welcome on to the 5x5, your first ever appearance on the program. Yo, man, thanks so much for having me. Um, I don't get a chance to pot as much anymore because, you know, Outsider's Edge is on a temporary hiatus. We've got some very uh, serious personal family things that we're dealing with. Um, So we're on kind of a temporary hiatus, so I don't get to get on the airwaves as much. So I really appreciate you having me on this week. And and I'm excited to have you on this week. We haven't talked since, and I I, I wanted to do this. I got to congratulate you and your fandom for your South Carolina Lady Gamecocks winning national championship over the UConn Huskies. You beat Geno. You beat Geno. You slayed the dragon. Yo, Gamecocks women's basketball is setting a new standard, and Don Staley's the GOAT, and I just needed to get that out before we transition into nerddom, which is my honest wheelhouse. I have a tattoo sleeve with Pokemon and Avatar and X-Men, so like... Excellent, excellent, excellent. By the way, speaking of, uh, we're going to talk, today we're talking all things reboots, best and worst reboots slash remakes, and, uh... It's a remake slash reboot that hasn't happened yet, but I can't wait for it to happen. And that is the new continuation of the X-Men cartoon series that's going to be coming to Disney Plus using 
allegedly as much of the original voice cast as possible and the animation team. I saw some, oh, uh, what what do you call it? Um, storyboard, like test art, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Looks really great. I hope that it is as great as my adolescent self remembers that cartoon. As long as they bring I, back I love it. The theme song, who cares? One as of the most dope the theme, theme songs song in the world. There. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and as far as the original voice cast goes, like no disrespect to the guy who voiced, voiced Logan, but as long as they keep Storm the exact yes. same. Oh, she was amazing. Over the top ham glory. Again, I am just on board. Winds of the North, come forth with your fury. Yeah, stuff like that. It was awesome. Yes. I loved her so much. Um, but yeah, so this week uh, we're going to do best and worst reboots and remakes. And when you first pitched this idea, because the guest always, I, I want the guest usually to, to pitch the idea because that is easier for the guest. I, I do, I'm going to humble brag here for a second. I feel like I'm pretty good with just about anything when it comes to the like pop culture the nerd stuff like yes a jack of all trades i I am a master of many crafts i guess is is the way i would brag on myself but you said let's do reboots and remakes and i was like do you want tv shows films what and you were like let's just do it all which so thanks for making it bigger and harder um to, to pull together. I appreciate that because this was uh, an interesting list to try to pull together on my end because I was like, well, I got to make sure I have both some television shows and movies in here and I hope I do it justice. How about you? I'm sure you will do a great job. Um, Excellent. I went with a great mix of a little bit of both. Um, I picked the topic just because it seems like reboots and remakes are what we have a nonstop oh, gosh, blood no of kidding. days. Um, but when done well, they can be done um, in a way that honestly makes them more memorable than the original. Right. I, I will say my best... Actually, both of these lists are going to feel kind of dated um, on my end when I when I looked at like my best of the best and worst of the worst. And so... Just to kind of review, we're going to take a quick commercial break uh, to go into this. But the way this will work is we'll do our worst, uh, we'll do our best list first after the commercial break, and then we'll do the worst after the second commercial break. The rules are pretty simple. We're going to take turns, kind of do a rotisserie draft style. So, like, if you go five, so if you give your number five, then I'll give my number five, and then I'll immediately do my number four, and so on and so forth. If for whatever reason one of us rattles off something, and the other has it higher on their list, we raise our hand and we pause until we get to it to its highest point on that respective list. Now, the one thing that hasn't happened yet, and I, uh, in this, well, no, it did happen um, in an earlier one. One of the things that makes this fun is when one of us has something on our best that's on the other's worst or vice versa. Like oh, that yes. always makes for some great conversation. So I'll look, th- this, uh, this round... Um, I think well, the other thing I'm really good at is uh, being a little controversial on, on my worst. Like people get all indignant over some of the things that I, I put on my worst list. So uh, based on our conversation regarding Citizen Kane, I don't know that that'll be a big problem between the two of us, <laughs> but but that'll be what it is. And so with that said, we're going to take our first commercial break. And when we come back, Kyle and I are going to give our top five best 
reboots slash remakes. You are listening to the 5x5 here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All right, welcome back everyone. This is the 5x5. We're here with Kyle Moores, and this week's topic is going to be the best and worst remakes of all time. As I mentioned before the commercial break, we're going to save the worst for last, because we all know that's what y'all want to hear, so we're going to make you wait. Like, that's... I, I, it's been many weeks, but I, I will admit and bow to the wisdom of Greg DeMarco, who suggested I flip it after we did a couple where we saved the best for last... Now, for the best, I will do. I will go first, doing the number five. Kyle, you'll kick off uh, the worst reboots and remakes because I, I like good. for for you to reveal your number ones uh, first and the worst as we get to it. And so, without further ado, my number five is a movie I didn't particularly love personally, but can't deny how good it is. And that was Martin Scorsese's remake of Cape Fear. Uh, starring Robert De Niro and, um, gosh, I'm going to lose. And Juliette Lewis is is in that film and, and is a great remake of the uh, 1950-something original starring Robert Mitchum that was a fi- is a fine, fine film all on its own. And then you get Robert De Niro kicking up this this role almost to an iconic sort of level of as he just mentally breaks down this family of this lawyer who failed to get him off on his uh his his charges and once he gets out of jail he just tortures this this poor family to no end it's so it's so so good it's very widely regarded as a remake that's almost as good if not better than the original and so that was my number five also shout out to scorsese superfan david ongar co-host of bandwagon nerds um, I like that. I always forget that that movie is a remake. Um, yeah. and I'm gonna, my number five is a film by a frequent Scorsese collaborator. Um, my number five is the 1983 version of Scarface. Oh, nice. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't know that the original Scarface film came out in the 1930s. And so... Al Pacino's version is, in every sense of the form, uh, of the word, a remake or a reboot. Um, but it is one thousand percent more well known than the original. Everybody has their Tony Montana voice. Everybody right. knows the "Say hello to my little friend." Um, Scott Hall uh, based a lot of his Razor Ramon voice on Tony right. Montana. Uh, Scarface is like ubiquitous with hip hop culture. So for me, um, often forgotten as a remake, Scarface is my number five best reboot. As someone who used to work in university residence halls for years, top five poster in stereotypical college male freshman rooms like the the just the film poster the the white background with him standing there still 
still really? to this day the 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 image of of Pacino sitting at the desk with the mountain of coke like all of those things are there I I always forget that Michelle Pfeiffer was in that movie like mm-hmm. always forget and then I went oh yeah she's all like skinny and drugged out too go Michelle great great choice man excellent excellent choice um and so for my number 4 I'm going to flip it into the TV realm okay and I'm going to kind of echo something that you said this is a series that I personally did not like at all. Like, I am not a fan of the style of this show, but my number four best remake reboot is The Office. Um, I hate The Office. Same. Like, same. I hate it I hate so it. much. But people love it. Yeah, you can't deny it. I, I'm generally not a fan of mockumentaries. Um, but this show became the number one comedy in the United States. Uh, for those right. that don't know, it is a remake of a British show by the same name, uh, based on the same concept of just like boring office life. But whereas the British series, I believe it starred Ricky Gervais. Yes. Um, only lasted a couple of seasons. The American version head by, uh, headed by Steve Carell uh, that one lasted like what eleven or twelve seasons. Yeah, it went on and on. Show. It launched the careers of so many of the like bigger names in comedy, um, and even more serious movies. Like John Krasinski owes his entire career. Right. To oh this, yeah, uh, absolutely. As Jim Ed Helms' career was like really kickstarted in this one. Um, it made Carell more of a household name. Like. He took that energy he had created for himself with 40-year-old Virgin and just used this to make himself, like, the version of a crazed middle management boss. Right. Um, and the show the show had so much steam and power behind it that when Carell left, it was able to keep going for a couple more seasons. Like, yeah, and they were able to, like, write With, like, James Spader. Yeah, they were able to write him out in a way that, like, made sense, and then they were able to bring him back for the finale. And right. the finale, from what I've heard, for people who are really into the show, the finale is just, like, a really beautiful and perfect tie-in send-off. Like, it's all yeah. centered around the mockumentary that they've been fil- filming, actually releasing. and That's that's um, good stuff. Yeah, so not a show I cared for, but, like, I can't deny its success. Not at all. And if you're on social media you've seen at least five gifts that are from the office in some way, shape or form. And you might even use one. I use one all the time. The uh, one where Steve Carell is yelling, no, please God. Mm-hmm. No. Like I use I that use, one oh my God, all the time. Happening. Yep. Constantly. Yep. The, the fire drill one. Yeah. That's yep. such good stuff. Can't deny that one. My number four is also in the realm of TV and is one. Uh, it's an animated reboot. Uh, Disney re-released and did a reboot of DuckTales that I was surprised by how much I... Did you not know that this happened? I did not know this was a thing. Yeah, I'm it's like true. immediately making a note to myself. It's voice... I gotta look up... I can't remember his name. He was a Doctor Who, but the voice of Scrooge McDuck is done by um, David Tennant. David Tennant oh, is the voice yes. of Scrooge McDuck. And I'm... There's another. I gotta. I gotta go back and look. But the, like, it's it's interesting because it doesn't try to be like the old Ducktales show. Like it actually tells like a coherent narrative through the whole thing mm-hmm. and goes into a lot of the story. Like Scrooge McDuck wants nothing to do with his family. 
like like at the beginning of this thing and like all the characters are back like webby's back um the the maid is there the beagle boys are a part of it uh magica dispel is is all like all the characters are back but it's like this completely unique and fun twist on the show and i was i was very skeptical as a fan of ducktales and you know and i'm also skeptical they're, they're doing a rescue rangers reboot um i did see that that's like, a thing that's coming like out. it's gonna be like a live action movie i'm not sure how i feel about that uh, yeah, sure i don't know but about it either but it's one of those things where as much as we hate it if we want these characters to be characters that like people still know right you have to just kind of let it be a thing yeah and and you want to talk about theme songs that that garner love the ducktales theme song DuckTales. actually ducktales chippendales rescue rangers um the gummy bears theme song like all of those like as a child everybody sang them all and I, this ducktales reboot was really well done and they didn't keep it going on in forever it was a short series it was only like four seasons or something like that and so it's easily digestible and well worth a watch in my opinion my number three is a is another remake that i think people don't know is a remake necessarily and it is i don't have the date i can't remember when it came out but it is john carpenter's the thing which is a remake of a 1950 horror film the thing from another world and in the world of special effects and horror the thing took puppetry in 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 film and and special effects and body horror to a whole level that was just unimaginable and it is this tight enclosed story of paranoia with kurt russell at the helm leading this group of scientists that are up in the arctic with no way to communicate anywhere else dealing with this alien creature that kills people and takes on their form and it's everyone's a suspect at all times and, and john carpenter it's at the height of his powers it's you know post halloween but he was bankable like he put out a horror movie you were going to go watch it and the thing in my opinion has and it's been replicated uh, like other people have tried to remake his version of the thing and they're terrible watch the original it's on all the time and is worth the watch I like that. I like that. I mean, I'm here for anything John Carpenter does, to be perfectly right. honest. He's a horror genius. Um, my number three is um, a reboot more so than a remake. My number three is the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, okay. Because, you know, obviously it's a reboot of Batman. Everybody knows that. But the reason I pick it as my number three is because in a lot of ways, it is the series of superhero films that made people take superhero films seriously as an art medium, uh, especially the, when right. you get into the Dark Knight and Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker, which I still think is quite possibly the greatest villainous performance, um, like in cinema. Um, and you get into all of that, but like really just the way that that series took this concept of just like the superhero blockbuster popcorn flick and turned it into like, no, you can make really like deep and interesting stories um, using these kinds of IPs. And I just think that it was made at the right time. And for me, the Dark Knight trilogy is probably my number three 
Um, in terms of best reboots, and as far as superhero like genre goes, if you're just looking for like a tight story, that's an easy trilogy to watch in a weekend. Absolutely. Uh, have all three of them as a, as a Blu-ray box set that I got from Amazon when it does its periodical, like, here's this compilation of Blu-rays. That you can, like, that's how I ended up with all the Alien movies. That's how I ended up with the Dark Knight trilogy, like, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, all of those. Uh, and yeah, it's just one of those things. I feel, I'm feeling some, some Batman, some Nolan Batman today. So you just pop them in and you go. Great choice. Excellent choice. Um, and then for my number two, uh, it is also a remake of a British series. My number two best remake is Shameless. The American oh, yeah, version yeah, yeah. of Shameless. People love um, Shameless. For the, so for those that don't know anything about either of the shows, the original show, it's a British series by the same name. It was called Shameless, and it was about a family in, I want to say, Manchester. Um, but it was about a like poor working class family in a really shitty part of Manchester and just all about what it's like to grow up as poor white trash in Great Britain. So in the United States, Showtime decided to do a version of that show. They set it in the south side of Chicago, and they hired William H. Macy to play the main character, a guy named Frank Gallagher. And Frank is a negligent, abusive alcoholic with a family of, like, Seven kids that range in age from the oldest, Emmy Rossum's character, and she puts in an amazing performance as Fiona Gallagher, all the way to the youngest. A um, the joke is it is one of Frank's kids somehow. Um, a young black baby named Liam. Um, at least wow. he's a bit. Liam's a baby in the first season. Right. Um, and the show lasted for about 11 seasons on Showtime, and it just follows this family. And again, it follows what it's like to be poor white trash, but not the typical style of poor white trash that we see in the United States in film and TV over and over again, which is always this like rural country, typically Southern version of like poor white trash. No, these are like South Side of Chicago, living in a shit ass neighborhood, broke ass white folk um and it's just masterful character performances it's really great to watch this family grow like i said the first season you know these kids are fiona's like maybe 21 22 and she's basically the mom for right this entire set of kids um and by the final season emmy rossum had left the show because she had been there for so long she had finally left the show but the other kids like the youngest kid who was a baby in the first season is like almost 13 yeah. by the time the show wraps up. And so like just watching them grow and watching their stories change and watching these kids go from like, what do poor kids deal with to like becoming parents or having to be adults. And like, it's just a beautiful, beautiful show. If you haven't seen it, check it out on Hulu, check it out on Netflix. Shameless. It's great. Yeah. And you can't go wrong with William H. Macy. You just can't. Like he is a, a treasure of an actor and an underrated actor that I think people see him and they're like, oh, this is a quality performer. But nobody's ever like, oh, let me pull out my William H. Macy collection of films and, and watch them. So excellent choice. My number two is a shout out. All right, we're on number two. 
Yeah. My my number two is a shout out to my best friend, Greg DeMarco. His favorite film of all time, Ocean's Eleven. Remake of the Rat Pack movie of the same name, starring George Clooney, Brad Pitt, and Matt Damon, and you name it, everybody under the sun. Heist movie where they're stealing from Andy Garcia. It's... I, I, here's the thing. It's it's another one of those films where I think a lot of people had to be told that it was a remake, in a lot of in, in a sense, because the original uh, the original Ocean's Eleven doesn't get the kind of play that the the current one does, and spawned multiple sequels, spawned two sequels and a spinoff, you know, with Sandra Bullock. So it's it's a lot of fun. The best part of the movie is the end of the movie when you see how all the threads pull together and you see how the heist actually happened and what how they achieved what they achieved. It's it's great great stuff. I don't love it to the level that Greg does, but I I certainly respect it. I actually kind of enjoy Ocean's 12 a little bit more than Ocean's 11 if yeah, I'm being completely honest. But uh but you can't deny that Ocean's 11 isn't some good good stuff. So that was my number 2. Yeah, I think 12 is better than 11, but 11 is a fun movie. Absolutely. I, Ocean's 12, when Matt Damon is talking to his mom, <laughs> and she gets him out of jail, and he's all disappointed. That that is uh, That was some funny I stuff. I miss that age of Matt Damon. Matt Damon is right. an actor who has really struggled to, like, get old. Yes. Yeah, I, um, I also judge him because he pushes crypto. But uh, whatever. Yeah, that's gross. Yeah, yeah be bold, whatever. Um. Which brings us to my number one. And my number one, uh, I'm going to admit, would have been my number one more so had the creator of the show not become outed as abusive and horrible. And that is uh, the television series version of the movie Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, so, love TV Buffy. Hate so, Joss Whedon. Love yeah, TV Joss Buffy. Whedon is a terrible human and is a piece of trash, but he put out seven seasons of a quality television show led by Sarah Michelle Gellar uh, in the title role. People, here's the other thing. I, I actually have a soft spot for the movie too, if for no other reasons than Paul Rubens cracks me up when he gets stabbed and dies and then you see the post-credit scenes and he's still pretending underrated. to die. Uh, like Rucker Howard has entire college courses taught about it. Oh yeah. It's, it's terrific. Uh, season four, uh, hush is widely regarded as one of the best episodes ever, uh, where nobody can speak. And, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's, it's outstanding. I, um, as a fan of musicals, I loved the once the more musical with feeling. Episode is great. Once more with feeling from episode, uh, from season six, which I I went out and bought the CD soundtrack to and have it on my iTunes. It's it's really good stuff, and everybody was the forced Angel to see. Spinoff. Yep, Anthony Stewart Head, by the way, who is also who plays Giles and has an amazing singing voice. If you want to hear some weird music, <sighs> listen to his original albums. They're uh, they're something else. I love it. Very new wavy it and was odd. So bold. It was so bold and groundbreaking in its representation of queer yep. characters, Allison Hannigan relationships. Yep. Uh, it introduced the world to Allison Hannigan. It's how she got the American Pie gig. It's how she eventually gets How I Met Your Mother. Like she's been in our households for twenty years because of this. Right. Show. It's Seth I Green's yeah. Career was really launched by took this off. Show. Yep. Like so many people like you, it's amazing. Like you watch the show and then they turn up elsewhere 
And you're like, oh my gosh. And then you go back. You know, probably the only person whose life fell apart was Nicholas Brendan's. Um, and he did that to himself because he had serious like substance abuse issues and now tries to peddle his life on Facebook. Uh, it's tough. And it just sucks that that show now has to be kind of it's tarnished by the legacy of Joss Whedon and, you know, the revelations of just how abusive he's been as a filmmaker to women and, and in particular yeah. Charisma Carpenter. Uh, who spoke to her experience on the Angel uh, series and Gal Gadot coming out and talking about her experience working with him on Justice League. So he's disappeared for the most part. He's tried a couple of times to like stand up for himself oh, and nobody's having it. People interview. Right. And, and nobody and was having it. Just like, dude, no, you're trying to play the victim card here when you're the asshole. Right. Exactly. So that was my number one. Nice. My number one um, would have been my number one, no matter what. Uh, my number one is the 1999 cinematic masterpiece, The Mummy, starring Brendan Fraser. And <laughs> um, obviously, um, the original Mummy is like an old silent era monster film. And there's not really much plot to it other than, ooh, Mummy, scary, scary. Uh, the 1999 film completely like inverts that and gives the mummy character this like really rich backstory of this guy who was having an affair with the pharaoh's chosen woman and he's sentenced to this awful death when him and the woman killed the pharaoh and so as a result of the curse that was placed upon him when his body's reanimated he brings the plagues and it's it's this like beautiful mix of a thriller and an action adventure film and you know even the first sequel wasn't total garbage the first right. sequel was followable and like it leaned in a little too hard on um the Scorpion King nonsense. There was not enough mummy, um, but it was salvageable. Now, once we get past that, it just all goes to hell. But a lot of that has to do with the fact that they didn't keep Brendan Fraser because Brendan Fraser's career at that point, as we would come to find out later on, was sidelined because he too was, you know, a victim of sexual abuse. And like Hollywood is really fucked up. But the 1999 version of The Mummy is a fun movie that I will always go back to if I just have two hours to kill and need a right. time. Can I, can I just say, The Mummy was the Indiana Jones sequel that I wanted and not the Indiana Jones sequel I got. Like, when, yeah. when, like it felt like an Indiana Jones movie and, really and, in all of the right ways. And Brendan Fraser, and we, we got to also recognize Rachel Weiss. Uh, oh, yeah. Because neither of like, like when, uh, when they I go to Asia, it's weird. Name. I can't uh, remember his name. The brother, the brother, but like right. The he's in Four Weddings of a Funeral, and so yeah, amazing. he's he's terrific as well. Yeah, excellent, excellent choice. And it, it, it's funny as I was doing research for this, the Mummy consistently come. Here's the thing: there's an argument for another reboot of the Mummy being on the worst list, uh, oh, as, sure. as the for Tom sure. Cruise movie is horrid because it's too much Tom Cruise. It's all Tom Cruise and no mummy, and that's a problem. So, but excellent number one, and, and that's there. There you have it, everyone. Our top five reboots and remakes uh, ever, and, and I think we both we had a, a very nice, varied list. And, and kudos to us for not overlapping. 
thumbs up. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're gonna go into the worst remakes. Before we head into our recorded commercials, though, it is my duty to remind you that if you like what we do here at the Chair Shot Radio Network and you appreciate our content and you want to support us, the best way to do so is to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and invest in one of our mini chair shot radio shirts. We have everything from OG chair shot logos to show shirts like bandwagon nerds. I'm just saying I like the show. It's pretty good. I, I record it every week. Two even sayings from the shows right now, nefarious means seems to be getting the push, the proverbial push, if you will. Shirts are only $19.99, but if you're feeling fancy, want something that feels nice on your giblets, spend a few dollars more, get it soft style, your body will thank you. Again, we love putting this content out on the interweb airwaves every single day, and the best way you can support us is to get over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and invest in a shirt. When we come back, our worst of the worst in reboots and remakes, you're listening to the 5x5 on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Okay, welcome back, everyone. You have heard the best. It's time for the worst. We are going to run down our five worst reboots and remakes of all times we switch the order around for the second list which means kyle will go first and i will go second so handing the floor over to you kyle lay it on us with your number five my number five for worst reboot slash remake it's a newer reboot of a 90s nickelodeon show um and it is an admittedly petty answer my number five worst reboot is the Rugrats reboot. It has okay. nothing to do with the script itself and everything to do with, I don't know what they have done to that animation style, but it is it is creepy to watch. Like, it makes me huh. physically uncomfortable to look at. Really? They've done this, like, yeah, they've done this, like, weird CGI thing with the animation and something about the way that they've done it, it's just really, really difficult to look at. And uh, I'm not, I, I can't, I haven't quite figured out what it is about it, but I'm just like, no, this, I can't even look at this. It's so weird. You know, I love it. And that's too bad because it's funny. We talked about DuckTales in the first one and how that one to me, like hit all the right notes. It, it is amazing how fragile some of those nostalgic shows can be. And, and it can be something as simple as just the style and the look of something. I'm terrified, by the way, that someday they're going to do another. Uh, they're they're going to do a reboot or a remake of my all time favorite Nicktoon, which is Doug. I love Doug. Oh, uh, Doug and is I'm, great. And I'm terrified. Done a reboot slash remake of Doug. It's called the Disney version. Oh no no we don't we don't talk about that. We don't, it's like we don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about the the Disney the Disney fied Doug because it's terrible. Um, the voices are all different. It's all wrong. The animation's different. Fuck that. My number five is a reboot 
uh, of a very popular television show from the 70s that was full of 70s camp and wonderful. And in 2011, executives in their infinite wisdom decided, hey, let's see if we can cash, cash in on that exact same com concept in, in 2011. And that's Charlie's Angels. Charlie's Angels, the TV series from 2011, didn't even last a full season. I don't even think it made it past like the fourth episode. It was so bad. And, and this is the thing that happens so often with reboots is they'll like, like modern producers will be like, oh, this was such a great concept. We're going to modernize it. We're going to make it look slick and cool and hip and awesome. And then they forget what made the show fun and popular in the first place. And basically, mm -hmm. this is devoid of fun. Like, it's devoid of any fun. And it's just three models who poorly act. And it's not like, you got Bosley wrong? Like, how do you get Bosley wrong? Like, I just, I don't, I don't know. And so don't watch the 2011 series reboot of Charlie's Angels because it's not good. No, it's terrible. Oh, God. Ah. Uh, my number four, one of my favorite directors of all time, Steven Spielberg. He uh, he remake he he likes remakes. Um, I actually don't hate his most recent remake. I I, I think it's fine uh, of West Side Story, but his remake of War of the Worlds it makes me viscerally viscerally angry as it is all about Tom Cruise. And how how do you? Ugh. Has there been an actor who has regressed more over the course of a career than Tom Cruise? No, he I, and it's progressively worse with each decade. Right. And it's funny because I go back and I, I rewatched Top Gun the other day because we're about to get too much Tom Cruise in the Top yeah. Gun reboot. In a Top Gun reboot that nobody asked for. But, you know, it's scary. Well, it's a sequel, I guess, because, you know, it is, you know. Oh, no, enough time has passed. This is, is a reboot. Enough like I, that's my thing, you know. Sometimes they try to re, they try to get fancy and brand this shit as like, oh no, it's the Matrix Four, motherfucker. It has been fifteen years since that's the fair. Matrix. That's fair. This is a reboot, right? This well, and, and to back to the War of the Worlds thing again, just kind of completely loses everything that that the original Orwell. Uh, radio broadcast, and then if you even want to go the further radio back, broadcast had people actively freaking out, being like, "The invasion is here! Oh my god, we're gonna die!" Um, because you know, it, or Orson Welles. Sorry, I said Orwell. I don't know why I said George Orwell. That was terrible. Um, uh, yeah, but were the though, and the, I even like the 1950s film version of it. Like, I like, I love it. Colorized issues, notwithstanding. That's my number four. My number four is the um, TMNT remake, reboot, whatever the fuck you want to call it. The, okay, which like, one? The CGI version from the, like, 2010s. Is that the one where uh, they're in the future? I, I don't even remember if they're in the future. I just know that, like, in the, like, 2010s, they decided to reboot Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and right. they just called it TMNT. And they turned the turtles into these, like, weird-looking CGI, creepy-ass 
yes i think yeah i think and then they made another they made a sequel to it that like it involved sheamus so wwe plugged the fuck out of it right Um, oh those yeah okay the movies i thought you were talking about the because nickelodeon has rebooted the animated series all repeatedly but those movies are awful i'm talking about the movie reboots uh and i'm like you talk about think like forgetting the things that make the original work the 1990 live action version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had no business working, but it worked because they stuck to practical effects, simple storytelling, commitment to character. Jim Henson these, puppeteering. Same. Yeah, like the these reboots from the mid 2000s focused on showing off CGI and Michael Bay style action set pieces. And it was just atrocious. It was so bad. You just reminded me of something that I left off my list, but would put on as an inner, you know, as a, as an honorable mention, the Transformers shit. Oh, that, that oh, the original they one, I, I they did. I liked the original one somewhat, and then yeah, just all downhill from there. So yeah, excellent choice. Can't argue with that one for for your I number think four. Looking back, we're all just gonna like. I think looking back, the thing we're gonna have to explain to our children and grandchildren Bay. the most is Michael Bay. Right? Like, yeah. How did we allow this to become a thing? How did we not like? He distracted us with Megan Fox, it? and we just stared at her the whole time. And all the straight right. boys like myself were like, "She's pretty." Oh, and I mean, you know, I was young and gay and shy and cute, so like, yeah. you know, I'm here for it. And then somehow Mark Wahlberg got involved. Like I don't, I don't understand. Speaking Anthony Hopkins Wahlberg, sold out. No, speaking of Mark Wahlberg, that segues into my number. Oh yeah, three worst reboot slash remake. The Mark Wahlberg version of Planet of the Apes. Oh, oh, Tim Burton. So, um, Planet of the Apes is obviously a beloved film from old age of cinema. And then the more modern remakes with uh, Dave, or not Dave, Franco, James Franco, uh, James Franco, with James Franco have also been good and yeah. been well received and well maintained. But in about two, well, I think it was like two thousand three or four, somewhere in there, Tim Burton made a version of the Planet of the Apes, and it starred Mark Wahlberg as the title astronaut, and. Um, the ape costumes themselves looked nice. Like the ape costumes were pretty cool. Literally nothing else about that movie worked. Nothing. No, it's it's so bad. Tim Roth, by the way, like took a paycheck mm-hmm. on that one. Michael Clark Duncan took a paycheck on that one. Um Helena Bonna Carter always takes a, a Tim Burton paycheck. Well, they were uh, married at the time. Yeah. Uh so of course and, and that was the other thing. Wasn't there like a weird like ape human attraction thing yeah, in there with the two of them her character and mark Wahlberg's character had this like weird romancy thing going yeah. on it's just like uh, awkward yeah it was back when they just kind of kept letting tim burton make whatever he wanted to make and, and yeah and i'm embarrassed to admit that i i saw that in the theater I mean, you know, but at the time you were the right age for it, man. Right, we right. All make, we all make foolish choices. Wait, looking back, it was it was a poor decision. Uh, speaking of poor decisions, my my number three, uh, just like Charlie's Angels, 
TV executives get it in their heads that, hey, this was successful 40 years ago. We should make this a television series again, and it'll be successful again. And sometimes it works. Like, I can't deny that Hawaii Five-O works. But they tried to remake The Odd Couple as a television series a few years back with Thomas Lennon and um, oh Chandler, Matthew Perry, mm-hmm. that, as his name, as the, as the type title characters of the odd couple and you know for those of you who remember back in the day the odd couple tv series and movie where you had the concept of two divorced men living together as roommates because they got nowhere else to go one of them being a complete slob and the other one being really neat you know you can't one the movie with walter Matthau and jack lemon is just like that's a a classic. classic Um, the series did quite well on its own after that because the concept was still relatively new. You didn't talk about divorce. You didn't talk about this sort of stuff. But then to bring it back in, in like 2016, I want to say, is when that when they attempted to make that comeback, where we've mm-hmm. now seen so many oil and water series, you really got to go out of your yeah, way to do something different, and they just didn't. It wasn't very good, and the chemistry wasn't there between the two lead lead actors. And, and if you well, don't you have that, it's a bad series. Curry. Bring up Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry already did an odd couple. Joey and Chandler. Right. Absolutely. Like he already did it. Joey and Chandler. Is no. this Joey and Chandler? It's not. Okay, I'm out. Bye. No, is you know Lieutenant Dangle from Reno nine one one. And I do love Dangle. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah, I love it. Dangle. If he's not Dangle in the short shorts, then what the fuck is even the point? God, I remember in the movie when he's getting himself a new pair of boots. That's one of the best scenes ever or is it a book i don't know dangle is one of the greatest characters like just just characters absolutely yeah he's he's outstanding i love when they bring that cast back together every now and again to do to do movies or or specials because it's not quite the same but that show was i again underrated unlike the odd couple which was just trash my my last two selections so my number two is a remake it's another remake of a class both of these are remakes of classic films that one just shouldn't be remade um but it's another night this was another film from the 1950s at the height of science fiction and alien invasions and cold war stuff this movie came out called the day the earth stood still and many years later executives in their infinite wisdom decided to take everything that made the 1950s the day the earth stood still which is all about stop killing each other and communism and bring it to oh god the 2000s led by keanu reeves in one of his not so great performances where he's telling everybody to treat the environment better because we're destroying earth it, it it just it lost everything in translation. It's it's boring, and they actually kind of go after and destroy the Earth at one point to make their point before walking it all back. It's a terrible movie, and it made my number two. I, it's one of the few movies that I didn't see it in the theater, but I tried to watch it when I rented it and stopped it. Um, it was like, no, you know what? I can't. My my number two is um my number two star is an actor that i really like um but it was a remake that nobody asked for and nothing about it worked my number two is the brandon routh version of superman oh okay um it's it's a movie that came out 
around the same time as the, I want to say Batman Begins. Yes, um, you're right. The first installment of the Nolan trilogy. And it also comes out in a world with like X2 and um, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. So like this is the standard we've got in the moment for superhero films. And this is them trying to reboot the Superman franchise for the first time since Christopher Reeves. Like this is the first time we're trying to make a Superman live action film movie since the days of Christopher Reeves versus Gene Hackman. Um, And even worse decision, they tried to set it canonically within the same like universe of Christopher Reeves. Right. Cause wasn't, wasn't Parker Posey like Miss Tessmacher and Spacey was, was Lex Luthor. Yes. Because the point was the Reeves Superman's had ended with him leaving earth. Right. And this movie was called Superman returns and literally is him coming back as Brandon Routh. And they just tried way too hard to do Christopher Reeves Superman all over again. And it just didn't hit because superhero films had changed. And this wasn't what anybody wanted or asked for to the point that both Brandon Routh and the studio regretted it because it stunted Brandon Routh's career. Oh yeah, absolutely. Film actor. Like it basically relegated him to television and he wouldn't touch a superhero franchise again until legends of tomorrow when the CW offered him money. Right. And he was great in legends of tomorrow. He Um, was, he was, he showed, he showed that he's a very good actor who is very capable. And it's really a shame that Superman Returns flopped in such a terrible way that he, as the leading man, was blamed for it, and it fucked his career up. Right. You know what my favorite Brandon Routh role, role though, ever is? It, it's his role in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, oh, where, he's the, yes. where he's the fake vegan, uh, yes. and, he lo- and he loses his vegan powers because he, he, he's been cheating. That is, a, that is a terrific number two. And then my number one stars an actor that I like a lot as well, but is just, oh my God, why did they do this? My number one worst remake slash reboot of all time is the Vince Vaughn version of Psycho. Get the fuck out of town. That's my number one too. I'm not even why kidding. Why did they make this movie? Not only did they make it, they they went shot for shot. Like it's... Remake. It's an exact remake plus a really creepy masturbation scene. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe that we had the same number one. That has never happened in the history of the 5x5. Five five. My goodness. It's that bad, though. Like, it is. It's so bad. And Heish. Oh, oh, like, oh, my God. Like, why, why did they make this movie? Why? It, I mean, we know, we know the answer why. Well, because it would make money. Money. But it's one of those things where you watch it, and, like, especially if you watch it in the modern context that a lot of people would watch it, where they would have seen the original um, version of the film, the Hitchcock film, and then they watch this, and it's like, no, you're watching the exact same movie, except one of them was made 30 years later in color with... 
an actor who can't do the role as well. Because that's no, no, yeah. Vince Vaughn cannot do Norman Bates. No, not. I mean, Perkins made that such a great, like, he was so good. Well, Perkins was so good, but it's also just, you know, and this is not to disrespect Vince Vaughn. It's not the kind of actor, no, especially in not at that all. period, because I think that movie was made in 99. So this is like the the Breakers version right, right. of Vince yeah, Vaughn. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, nah, the same dude talking about the, the little bunnies cannot also be creepy Norman Bates. No, he really can't. And and it really showed through. And and, and this is the thing that, that um, ultimately for me, as you noted, because like when you do a remake or a reboot, like, yes, I, I, I have been interested in remakes and reboots, especially if it's a different take on a story that we're familiar. There was nothing new. Like at all with this other other than like you mentioned the 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 creepy masturbation bit, uh, and and the you know the guy you have in the lead was ill equipped to play that role, and when when you have that, you are setting yourself up for an unmitigated disaster, and that's what they got. That was a terrible remake, uh, and and also so poorly timed in the sense of like it comes out in '99, which is not enough time to have passed. For right. the public to have even wanted this movie yet. Right. Like, if that movie had not existed and they were to do a Psycho remake now in 2022, I still would be very like, ooh, I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah. But at least at that point, it's like, oh, 60 years has passed since we've done this story. Like, maybe somebody new can do it a little different. Yeah, you, you don't know. But that is um, that is uncanny how congratulations to the filmmakers of Psycho for earning number one on both of our worst reboot and remakes lists. I did not see that coming. Um, honestly, I don't have a great sense of your tastes and likes, so I had no idea what would be your number one, Kyle, but um, it, uh, I am I'm impressed that we were, we were wavelength and vibing, if you will, on that. So awesome. To answer your question. Um, I have a very eclectic taste for film. I, I am a movie that. person. Um, my boyfriend and I have the Regal Movie Pass so that we can go to the movies whenever the fuck we want. Like, nice. So we'll see just about anything. Right. I, uh, with something like that, it's one of those things where it's like, well, we don't have anything to do this weekend. What's in the theater? Yeah, I, that. Um, I, my favorite story I, I, I like to tell about when I really turned into a deep dive on movies was... One of the first years I worked, when I began working for the University of Massachusetts, I was on a um, 43-week contract. Basically, you got the summers off and like off contract with nothing to do. But the way our contract was structured is I still got paid even on my off contract weeks. So I had like expendable income because the university was paying me to live on their campus in, a, in an apartment. So I didn't have like any bills or anything to really worry about. So I would go to the movies there was a movie theater less than a block. I would go see every movie basically every day of the week because I had nothing to do. And my wife was at work. Like she was working at Mass Mutual, all gone yeah. all day. I'd go catch the first matinee at $5 every day. And I saw so many movies. And that's what brought me to where I am now. So excellent, I, I excellent. I miss mid-budget movies so much. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. Um, not, not. It's a lost art. It really is. So, anyway, 
Thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate you jumping on, uh, giving your list. Uh, I'm thrilled that we had the same number one worst. Uh, before I let you go, though, uh, tell everybody where they can find and follow you out there. And we know you'll get back on the airwaves more consistently soon. It's just a matter of time. So tell everybody where they can find you in that regard as well. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. S'mores. Um, you can also find me. Uh, we will get back on the Outsider's Edge at some point. And when we are ready to get back, you'll find us on Fridays right here on the Chairshot Radio Network. You can also occasionally find me on Chairshot Radio Hockey Talk. You can occasionally find me with Podfather Mags on his various projects. I just pop up all over the Chairshot. He is a Renaissance podcast man. That's right. You can find me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. In addition to the 5x5, you can catch me every Monday on Bandwagon Nerds. Every Tuesday on Chair Shot Radio, doing hockey talk or in the summers, music. Oh, excuse me, musical chairs. And on Wednesdays, talking wrestling with Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales on the Greg DeMarco Show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. On behalf of uh, Kyle, we really appreciate you all tuning in. Big thank you to Kyle Morris for your guest. Catch you all next week. This has been the Five by Five on the Chair Shot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.